I come to you this morning to talk to you about something that's very close to my heart. And I'm not here to be divisive. I'm not here to offend anyone. I'm here to speak to you as Geronimo talked to a general in the 1880s in the mountains, not too far from here. But he met with him at a peace conference, a powwow, and said to him, he said, this morning, he said, I want to speak to you the truth. And I want the truth to be like arrows that go out from my heart and my soul to your mind and your body. And I want each and every one of you to understand what I'm talking about this morning. Because I'm very profoundly disturbed. I just left uh, Tuskegee. Where black folk are suffering. And I'm very disturbed when I go across this country. And I cannot find the sensitivities and the concerns about black folk in America that I want to see. that I have seen and heard from any place in this nation has been Dr. Price that is telling you what, what you should be listening to. And I've spoken all over this country and all over the world representing presidents and governors. And he is the only minister I've run into so far that violates all social norms that were exacted on black folk back in the 1790s as this country began to move into the evangelical movement. And they decided in the 1790s that it is now permissible to have a black preacher or to have black folk invest themselves into a religious experience. And the establishment of this country said, yes, we will let blacks have their own separate services. But we must pick the minister. We must pick a minister that is controllable. And we must tell him exactly what he's supposed to do. We will license the ministers. So by the 1720s, the entire establishment in this country has set up a system saying that any black minister in this country, he has an admonishment. He must teach black folk three things so that religion will become a control device to help us maintain the status quo on black folk in this country. He says every black minister who we select or we license, they must teach black folk. First of all, when you talk about the Bible, you talk about the master and the slave, you are talking about the white master on earth and the black slave. You must secondly teach black folk to be humble and obedient and accept their life lot and to be respectful and loyal to the white servant, to the white master. And lastly, you must teach black folk. You must teach black folk that they will get theirs in the hereafter and pie in the sky. And that went into effect in the 1820s and every black minister fell in the line and did it. And he stayed like that until after the Civil War. When 119 blacks on October the 19th walked into St. Paul's Church, Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina and says, we can't take it anymore as black folk, the suffering is too acute. And said, we must at least have 40 acres and a mule or something. You cannot just turn us loose free and say we're free and give us non-economic emancipation 
how we have penniless, poor, impoverished, sick, broken, busted, uneducated, ignorant, homeless, nothing, and say we are now free. And that is the only minister, Dr. Price, that I've heard that understands that. That you got an obligation in the ministry to go above and beyond that monument put on black folk over 150 years ago. Well, my brothers and sisters, I'm back. It's January 23, 2020. I wanted to open up with that clip with our brother, Dr. Claude Anderson. I'm going to have a couple of more clips to add to that. But I wanted you all to hear it first. That's why I opened up with our brother, Dr. Claude Anderson. Wow. You know, when you listen to the man's voice, the man is very passionate when it comes to his people. And you ask yourself, are you passionate about your own people? We are in a dogfight. And I'm going to uh, a little bit, not too long, not too uh, long. I'm going to speak. I'm not going to speak that long. Uh, today, I'm going to play some clips from our brother, Dr. Claude Anderson, in our Powernomics. We are in a situation, pretty much everything that is said is based on Powernomics and black folks' existence. Now, you could say brothers and sisters have been around from day one, and that's true. But the thing about day one, we are not in day one anymore. We've been around and white folks have been trying to do everything in their power to limit us in doing things that will make us grow as a people, as a community. And the thing about it, it ain't so much them doing everything to us. It's about us doing everything to ourselves. Because we continue, and I mean we continue, to do things that eradicate us from being a tough, strong-minded people. Every time you see someone trying to progress as a black man or woman, you should pat them on the back, you should go, and you should support them. But... Like the brother is going to be talking about later, and I'm going to be commenting on later, but I'm going to pretty much comment and give a lot of my thoughts. At this particular time, a lot of us has tapped out. When I say tapped out, we have given up. We are down to, like they say, it's the bottom of the ninth, and we are pretty much in the bottom of the ninth. We have come a long way since 1865. But during 1865, we've also stepped back. We've progressed and we took two steps back because we continue. And I mean, we continue to do the same old stuff that keeps us apart. You're going to hear the brother. Well, 
I'm not going to say what you're going to hear him say. I'm just going to let him say it. Because a lot of times people think uh, when you say stuff, oh, you just talking. It's like not about talking. Brother Dr. Claude Anderson's been around for a long time. So he knows what he's talking about. And he's telling you the truth. He's telling you the truth in a way that you find a lot of politicians and a lot of other folks, uh, the ones that you listen to probably the most are your pastors. They won't tell you. Only thing they tell you is to keep on loving your neighbor. That's what they tell you. And like the man said, the Bible was put here and basically for black folks to do what the master taught them to do. You always respect your master. That's why you find so many brothers and sisters killing each other because they respect their master to a certain extent to where we're almost committing genocide towards our own people. And I'm talking about black people. And a lot of people always ask about that question. Why do you always talk about your people? I talk about my people because those are the people that I'm interested in. Any other group, uh, you got your people that's interested in you, good and in bad. But I'm talking about my people in effect on what we're doing towards each other. We're not taking that step towards building. You know, we're supposed to be on another level, but we are stepping back in the foxhole. And we're almost doing a damn retreat. Many of our brothers and sisters have tapped out. They no longer care what happens to them. And that's the sad thing. Because we've been brainwashed into believing that we're no good. My brothers and my sisters, you are great people. And sometimes you can tell the people that, but it's like you have to start believing yourself. I can tell you that, like many people can put out posters and different types of sayings, and that helps, but if you don't believe it, It don't mean nothing. You have to believe in yourself. We're in the bottom of the ninth. We have to start believing more in ourselves. I'm going to give you some definitions. And I want you to understand these definitions. Maybe you need to study these definitions. You'll have the weekend to study these definitions for what you should believe to be important in your life. It's not just your life. It's your children's life. It's your children's children's life. That's uh, where we are in this ball game. It ain't no more talking. It's about doing now. And that's exactly what we have to start doing. This podcast today is entitled Justifiable Powernomics, a people in need. I'm going to say it again. Justifiable. Powernomics, a people in need. I want to give you, first of all, I want to give you social integration. Social integration 
is a processed, I'm sorry, process during which newcomers or minorities are incorporated into the social structure of the host society. Well, you know who the host society is. Social integration together with economic integration and identity integration are three main dimensions of a newcomer's experience in the society that is receiving them. That's social integration. Another uh, justifiable, justifiable, able to be shown to be right or reasonably defensible. Able to be shown to be right or reasonable, defensible. That's justifiable. Powernomics. Powernomics, a lot of you say, well, I don't heard him say powernomics. What does it really mean? Powernomics analyzes the complex web of a racial monopoly, I'm sorry, monopolies and black America's Black Americans inappropriate behavior patterns that are driving it into a permanent underclass status analyzes the complex web of racial monopolies and black Americans inappropriate behavior patterns that are driving it into a permanent underclass. That's what it's doing. And if we don't find a way to get out of this permanent underclass, we're going to perish as a group. And the way you get out of it, the way... You have to get out of it. You have, it comes, uh, um, you're talking about wealth building, my brothers and my sisters. That's that's the number one. You're talking about wealth building. That first clip I played, that first clip came from, he did a lecture at uh, KC Price's church back in 2008. In 13, that was coming from KC Price's Faith Dome back in 2013, did a lecture, a live lecture. These lectures that are planned, they have, they're, they're, they're dated at different times, but the importance of the lecture is what you need to focus on and what the man is saying, because what he's saying, even though today is 2020, we're still doing the same old economic type of injustice to ourselves by keep spending our money and building everybody else's community while we're failing. Back in the day, black folks was considered 
<laughs> you know, uh, when I was coming up, there was white and black. That's all you knew. Everybody else wasn't even in the picture. Now, black folks are considered damn near, we're, we're, we're four. If we were in a relay race, we would be number four. Number four, still trying to catch up. And that's a race that we're failing because we're constantly uh, falling back and back into the race. And the reason why we're falling back and back into the race is because we own nothing. Don't think because you have a little something that that's going to do you good. You think about your children and your children's children and what they're going to need. Because as everybody comes in here, they're thinking about themselves. Black folks, you may, we may have built the country. We may be the first people to ever be uh, on the earth. But we're falling back in this day and time, which is 2020, January. We have to start coming more together. They're going to keep fighting and keep throwing things in your in your path in order to keep you occupied with things that are not important because they don't ever want to see black folks come together. And, you know, what I'm talking about. They'll always tell you, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, you, we gave you we gave you you gave us what you gave us a president which didn't give really a hoot towards his own people. I'm talking about Barack Obama. Barack really didn't do what he could have done. Look at what number 45 has done ever since he's gotten office. Everything Barack has did that he could get his hands on and he can wipe out, that's exactly what he's doing. Because he's telling you, number 45, in so many ways, in so many words, that so what? His existence really don't mean nothing. It's hard for him to really do I'm sorry, it's hard for him to really do uh, Obamacare because he knows his people, along with many others, will suffer. And he really doesn't want that. But then again, if he gets in another four years, uh, he's not going to do anything as far as that end goes, as far as the medical. And the Democrats and Republicans, they don't care about the people. All they think they do is fight amongst themselves. That's all they do. This impeachment is taking away what could have been done. We're about to enter. We're about to enter uh, number 45's third, uh, fourth year, beginning of his fourth year. And if you look at it, if you really, really look at it, what has he done? Nothing. Three years have passed by and we're still or this is third year whatever it is you know damn time flies sometimes you kind of hard to forget but we are in an election year and things are flying by and what has he really done well they say the economy has grown and black people uh those are some of the things that obama had put in place and they're finally taken off but he's trying to undo that so if he's trying to undo it you just imagine what the future is going to hold because if you're not trying to take care of your own people and build for your own people like everybody else is, and you keep uh, uh, supporting everybody else with your finances, you're going to see our community dry up. We won't disappear, but we dry up. You think we're in trouble now, we're going to be in worse trouble. Because if there are no jobs coming in to help our own people, then we have nothing.
You can send your kids to all the colleges in the world. And like I talked about in previous podcasts, you could talk about uh, there's jobs and this and that. But look at all these graduates that graduated from college. Ask them or take a poll for you posters and you see how many actually have a job in the field that they went into or how many of them have a job, period. And you take them all from all cities. You know, when they do a poll, you never know how many uh, people they uh, they they pool. They might pool maybe 25 people. And then all of a sudden, they represent 25, 25 people representing the whole mass of a race. And that's how they do the pools. But they're not pooling uh, every American. They're just not doing that. It's like the census. The census don't really do nothing for you, like you may think. It does something for them. Because... And, 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 you know, when you look at it, you have black people. We know we black, but you take other groups. You could take Asians, you could take Hispanics, and you could list them as white. And a lot of times they do that. They list them as white as well. And if you lied enough, you know, uh, if you don't know who you are, you will consider adding yourself as white because you are ashamed of who you are. And a lot of people... It ain't just black because you got a lot of black people who don't want to be black and they're ashamed. And you have a lot of uh, other people in other groups that are ashamed to be what they are. So if you able to join uh, the master race, you'll be happy to be. Yeah, I'm white, too. And that's sad. But you got a lot of people like this. You know, we ain't the only people, but we're the only people who's losing this race. We're losing this war. Because we consider hating on each other, killing each other, and thinking that we're doing right. We're not doing right. We're doing crazy stuff to each other. Powernomics is to help us get out of this hole. There's a plan. And the plan is you have to start investing in things that's going to grow wealth in order for you to supply businesses, to grow businesses, to have a uh, basically, we need our, we, we should have always had our own school. Elijah Muhammad had the right idea with Muhammad University, but everybody laughed and talked about, and they look at him now. You know, you can send your kids to any school you want to send them to. But if you send your kids to schools that don't look like them, I spoke on this before, you're going to see a lot of stuff because a lot of these schools, they don't care nothing about no black student and, and, and what kind of school they go to. The inner cities was once decent, but that was a long time ago. That's when I was in school. The inner city ain't decent like it once was. The inner city schools don't care. My teachers came to my house. My teachers came, and they were white. They came to my house. They came to my house. When something went wrong, they called my mother. When I wasn't doing right, they called my mother. They came over to have coffee and cake with my mother. They don't do that no more. These teachers, as soon as school's over with, because back in the day, they gave you books. They don't even give you books anymore. What do they give you in some of these inner city schools? They give you a printouts. They don't give you books. They give you printouts because they think the students or the students do destroy the books, lose the books. Parents ain't paying for no books. Parents ain't got no money to pay for no books. Parents don't show the type of uh, uh, 
interest in their, their kids' education. They want somebody else to raise them. They want somebody else to teach them. A lot of times they ain't got nothing to do. My brothers and my sisters, we got to get it. We got to get it. I got another clip I want you to check out. It's from the same lecture. And I just want you to check this stuff out now because this is some very important stuff. But I want you to check it out. It is not food stamps. It's not public housing. It is not drug abuse. Black people only got two problems in America. The first problem is that you've been systematically locked into the lowest level of a real-life monopoly game. That's your major problem. And that's what Dr. Price directly and indirectly is telling you about every Sunday morning. You have been locked into a no-win situation. That means that all the wealth and power in this country has been skewed over 400 years systematically into the hands of the majority white society. Black people don't own an, a significant amount of anything to be able to control their lives. Whites in America right now control almost 100% of all the income, the wealth, the power, the resources, the businesses, the privileges, and all levels of government. You cannot compete. And I'm tired of hearing people telling black folk, why don't you compete? Compete with what? What are you going to compete with? They keep saying, well, you, black folk can run fast and jump higher. That won't make it. It won't make it. And if, let me tell you what monopoly is. Monopoly means that all the wealth and power has been skewed based on skin color. Going white, yellow, brown, black. And if you've never played the game of monopoly, let me show you how it's played. I play it every year at my family. It means that everybody, when you sit down, you're given a certain amount of money and wealth. Black people never got their 40 acres and a mule. Now we're playing this game of Monopoly. And let's pretend for a second in this auditorium that whites got $1,000 to play the game of Monopoly. Asians got 500 Hispanics got $300. Indians got 100 And blacks got $50 to play the game of Monopoly. Now, not never having gotten your 40 acres of mule, you don't own any land. You don't own any land. And if you don't have the money, you can't put in the houses and the hotels on the land. You got lucky and had some. Now when you roll the dice in our hypothetical game of Monopoly, and you roll the dice and your, and, your, and your number comes up on the wrong piece of property, what happens to you? You must either go bankrupt or go to jail. Well, my brothers and sisters, you can see for yourself, if you don't have any power, if you don't have any land, what do you have? You don't have nothing. How can you compete in a system if you don't have nothing? But you don't have nothing. And the reason why you don't have nothing, because they tell you it's okay not to have nothing. And what do you do? You spend all your money on clothing, hair care, makeup, things of that nature. But you don't put anything into yourself. As far as property, buying stocks. Yeah, the stock market goes up and up, goes up and goes down. But let me tell you something. The man who invests in uh, Google, or I'm going to give you one even better. The, it, here's one, one that you go and you shop with, you belong, you go and you join their clubs and this and that. I'm talking about Amazon Prime. I'm talking about Amazon. 
Amazon started out at like a buck 87. And look at it now. It's almost $1,800 a share in 2020. It started off low. Uh, Netflix started off low. All these stocks, uh, Microsoft, Netflix, Amazon, Apple, they all started off low. Most of them pennies on the dollar. They started off. And look at them now. They're at a point now where you can't even touch them. You can't even touch them. But there's ways that you can buy into slowly, but you can buy into. You can start investing your money into uh, Stash App for beginners. It helps you. As low as $5, you could buy into a share that's worth $1,800 for $5. It shows you how to start saving your money. You can buy into a Netflix. You can buy into an Amazon. You can buy into an Apple, a Microsoft. But you have to start. This is 2020. The race is going on. And we're fading and fading. The 26-mile marathon is almost here, and we're fading and fading in the back. If you don't know anything about stocks, learn how to read. Start reading on stocks, on bonds. You got to start reading on things that you see other people, you see white folks, see Jews do. If you want to learn something, study them. They study you. They study you to the point where they know what to do to you so you don't do what they do. You got to start learning how to play the game. If you can't learn to start how to play the game, you're going to be in more trouble than this podcast or any podcast in the future or any television show or any uh, video, uh, uh, video, anything, because you're not paying attention. Some are, but we don't need some. We need more. Some can't build a community. Some can't even build a neighborhood. If you don't start, you're going to perish. And that's what they want. And the devils would have won. And you're going to be nowhere. You look at the trucking industry. I remember when the truckers used to make, they used to make a whole lot of money. The trucking industry has changed. I see it every day. I know what I'm talking about. I talk to drivers. So I know what I'm talking about. I was talking to a white guy the other day, and he was telling me about his neighborhood, some neighborhood uh, in California. Because you know, you know, California's big, so he was telling me about his neighborhood and how we had a Harley. He's a white guy. And he's like, yeah, man, my neighborhood, when I first moved into it, it was real nice. I'm talking about real nice. And all of a sudden, drugs started infesting my neighborhood, and people started breaking in cars, doing this and doing that. He said, they stopped coming across the border. Maybe we can get something done. Now I'm listening to this white guy tell me all this stuff. You could tell he was a, he was a real redneck guy, but he's a nice guy. He, you, he believes in Christ. Because every time he sees me, he tells me something about the Bible. But I'm listening to this man. But he's telling me something I don't already know. But I already know. But he's telling me. He wants to share with me. He wants to say other things, but he don't want to cross the line by saying a lot of things. But he's not the only one. I got some of them that come in there, and they tell me a whole lot of stuff, and they don't bite their tongue. And they talk about Hispanic. They talk about black. They talk about it all. 
And I don't sit up there and I don't judge. I try not to judge. I just sit up and listen. Because, see, it's information that I get from the real people that's out there. See, I don't drive a truck, so I don't know. But I've talked to people that do drive trucks. But I'm telling you, my brothers and my sisters, back in the day, the industry, black folks used to do all kind of construction projects. We're always on the job. I look around today and I don't even see you. You either don't want to do it or people just ain't asking you to do it. Then again, you got to be out there promoting your own self, building your own community. You don't need nobody to give you no job, but sometimes you act like you do. Okay, I'm going to drop this other clip, and we're going to wrap this up. But my brothers and my sisters, Powernomics is it's a, it's, 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 it's a must. If you haven't gotten that book, you need to take some money and at least buy that book. It's a black man who wrote it. Well, then again, you know, I guess you got to have uh, you got to have the white man's approval before you can actually buy a black book. You know, I say these things. And it's funny, but it ain't funny, but it's true, but it ain't funny. All my brothers and my sisters, I got this other clip. I'm going to drop on you. He did an interview back in. 19. Well, actually, I'm going to drop the clip with the uh, Breakfast Club. It's a little, it's uh, probably about maybe five or six minutes, but I want you to check it out and check out what this brother's saying on a breakfast club with Charlemagne, the God, he dropped back in December, I believe it was December of uh, uh, 2019. Wait a minute, let me get it up for you. Check it out. Blessings. Wait a minute. That's the wrong one. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get back to my, here we go. No, no, we're not gonna. Let me get it to the right. Here we go. We're gonna make this a plant land of opportunity and freedom for everybody. Yeah, right. Okay. So they met in Philadelphia for a whole week. You know what they did for a whole week? They closed the doors and put guards on the windows in Philadelphia and said, "Now we got to we got to write this constitution, but we got a problem now. We got, if we're gonna offer this as a land of opportunity for everybody, isn't it inconsistent?" hypocritical for us to be getting ready to enslave all these damn black folk we're bringing into the country. They said, how are we going to get past that? They said, well, what we'll do, we'll run a game on them. They've been running that same game ever since. What we'll do in the Constitution, we use very broad and ambiguous terms. And certain terms, I have certain are those broad, ambiguous terms would apply to whites and certain apply to black folk. So the United States Constitution said, we the people, all the people, all God, had a God-given right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Initially, it wasn't even happening. It was really a property. It was black folk going to be property. And so that's that's what it was structured on. And they said, well, what about black folk? And they read the Constitution. They said, what we'll do, let's use other words. Let's use code words like uh, those who are indebted, those who are in bondage, those who are property, those are three-fifths of a human being, mm -hmm. those who are equal to a field animal. And our people never figured that out. Mm. So you got all our, our civil rights leaders running around for years and running for public office like you're talking about, talking about we got rights. You don't have any rights in the Constitution. There's no rights for blacks in the Constitution. You had the United States Constitution in 1789 was strictly the first affirmative action plan in the country, strictly and solely for whites. Mm. And those who laid on could pass for whites. That's what it's about. Mm. Black folk are the only people in this country that can't pass for whites. And when I, when I left the White House with President Carter in, in, in 1970, 
the Office of Management and Budget says, we're going to now make everybody in here that comes into the country, we're going to start qualifying them as being white. If you up until 19, like up, up to 1970, as an example, Hispanics were always white. They were always whites. But what happened in 1970, I was over education for the state of Florida at that time, and I have the dubious honor of writing the, writing the second, affirmative, second affirmative action plan in the United States, but the first one for black folk. I wrote the affirmative action plan. It was approved by the governor and the state cabinet systems. But not, <clears throat> I didn't write it for minorities and poor folk, those broad terms, when people of color, and for diversity, and, and for gays and lesbians, and midgets and humpbacks and one-eyed people. I wrote it strictly for black folk. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, how, is there any way that blacks can correct the resource imbalance? Yeah, yeah you can. See, when you start playing the game. That's why my second book, I wrote the, I wrote the first book called Black Labor, White Wealth. And uh, which Ebony Jet calls the second Bible for black folk around the world. It sells all over Europe and into Africa. That was to show you every technique, every trick, every custom, every custom, every policy that the, that the major white society used to lock black folk into a lowest level of a real-life monopoly game. And they maldistribute mal all the resources, period. It showed us that in very graphic terms. I think you got to have a copy of that bottom book over there. Yes, sir. That, black Labor, White Well. That's what that was for. We got dirty little secrets. We got more dirty little secrets. <clears throat> Right. Okay. Thank you. Now, that, and this is what they call it around the world. They call this the second Bible for black folk. Mm -hmm. It shows you exactly what happened to you, and that you have no rights. And it's, and, and power. I follow that with power nomics. I did. Oh, it's behind you. Yeah. There you go. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And this one. This is a national plan. What was the question you just asked me? I ran past it. You asked me. So how do we catch up as, as black okay. folk? How you catch up? This showed. This is a national plan for black folk. It says a national plan to empower black Americans. Period. And what you first thing you got to do, and make a long story short, you got to you got to have what you never had in this country. That's a group self-interest. You've been inculcated and coordinated and brainwashed and believe that you got some obligation and responsibility to save the world. You got to save everybody first before you save yourself. Now I'm a pilot. I don't fly anymore. I'm too old to be flying. But one of the first thing I would tell people on my plane as passengers: the first thing you do if we lose cabin pressure at, at, uh, at thirty thousand feet. We don't have any cabin pressure at night over 10,000 feet. If you lose cabin pressure, a panel over your head will fall down. Mm -hmm. Right. When that mass falls down, the first thing you all should be doing is putting them bass on yourself. Mm -hmm. Quit trying to save everybody. Why has always got black folk marching trying to save it? We're marching for gays. We're marching for women. We're marching for, for poor people. We're marching for the handicapped. And yet you only control one half of 1% of wealth. You haven't got a snowball's chance. And in the, in the end of slavery, as I said, you had one half of 1%. Guess what? The average white person at that point in time had 3,500 times more wealth than the average black. That means that 99% of everything in this country was, was in the white society. And it's still in the white society. I don't care from, from Vermont all the way to California, San Diego. 98% of everything of value is locked in, in the white society. 87% of it's frozen. Locked in the white society. You can't get it out. So all you got to compete for is about 13% is up for grabs. Mm. And if black folk don't learn how to compete for that 13 percent, you are through. And right now, that's that's what's happening around the world. You see all these, it's, we're going to implode in this country. Same thing happening now, happening in Germany with the Jews. And there was a book out called Hitler's Willing Execution to say the same thing. When certain kind of things began to happen to you as a group, you better be very careful. And they wrote that as a big, thick book and about, about what's going to happen. That's and, and they started exterminating the Jews. Why? Because you got a group now that you all don't know about called it. Uh, the Council of 300. What they want to do now is say, we got too many people on the earth, and we're going to start losing resources. There won't be enough resources left. 
we got water, we're going to have water shortages coming. And water shortages come, what follows that is food shortages. Right now, 20% of the world is suffering from water shortages. We're going to start having water shortages in this country. We have water shortages and have food shortages. So what the council and all these government, all these rich people on earth are saying is that we got to start getting rid of some of these people. We're going to start with the non-producers. Now, who are the non-producers in America? The only people in America that produces absolutely nothing except sweat is black folk. <laughs> I mean, right now, all of our people that are so successful, guess what? The only thing they produce is sweat. They're running with balls, football, basketball, baseball, tennis ball, golf ball, singing and dancing, singing and dancing, producing sweat. Nobody's buying any damn sweat. Now, how are you going to feed yourself? We don't produce anything. We don't have any industries. And we had a chance to get industries in the 1700s when the Industrial Revolution went through Europe. Black folk were slaves. When the Industrial Revolution went through America in the 1800s, we were still enslaved. We own and control absolutely nothing. You don't think that's changing now a little bit? Oh, man, no. It's getting worse. As a matter of fact, let me give you a difference. Right now, we got all these people that you're running for public office talking about. We got we to gotta, we gotta look for uh, uh, eradicate poverty. You cannot eradicate poverty. Poverty is a fix. It's a govern. It's a given. You cannot eradicate poverty. Why? Because just like you can't eradicate, you got an up, you got a down, you got an in, you got an out. That is a fix. You cannot change it. And you always got people wanting to eradicate poverty. What you should be saying is leave poverty alone and go down and try to figure out how to get black folk out of poverty. Don't be trying to eradicate poverty. Leave poverty alone and get blacks out. And see, so well, what we're gonna, what we need to have more equality. On a race-based society, you cannot have equality. It's impossible. Mm. The whole point of a race is a contest. That's right. See, erase it. You don't go. You all don't go to the Kentucky Derby to try to have all the horses being equal, do you? No, you want one to win. See, so you got it again. You're mm-hmm. a smart man. <laughs> you, want, you want to see who comes in first, second, or place. Right. And so, yeah, they said, we're going to, well, in a race-based society, well, why is it called a race? Race, is, race never started, never existed on the earth until the 1500s. See, <clears throat> and that's when it started, when a race, that's where racism comes from. <clears throat> they didn't pick racism just out of thin air. It's a social construct. It's a social construct. Yeah. It's a social construct. They started, we can start, well, what we're going to do now that Columbus discovered America, you got, in 1492, you got, we got a lot of land over there, it's pretty much vacated, uh, vacant, and, uh, and we got, and uh, we need to go over there and try to get that land. And what they said, they said, well, let's go back, how are we going to do it? <clears throat> and they said, well, let's see. Back in about 14, about 1446, we had a guy named Henry the Navigator, it went around the coast of Africa, and they picked up about 16 blacks, Africans, and brought, and brought them back to Europe, gave them to the Pope in the Vatican. The Popes that we use is the slaves. And so the, so the Vatican used blacks as slaves. That was one of the first ones. It's from about 1446 up to about 1488. And Pope Innocent came out and said, well, you know, uh, having these people as slaves, that's a good thing. And so why is that important now? Because, you see, the Fox Channel be telling you all, while blacks complain about being slaves, we've always had slaves. No, you have not. You may have had slaves, but not based on skin color. And Pope Innocent came out and says, in the future, don't enslave anybody based on a traditional manner. You're going to enslave people for being either prisoner of war or for personal indebtedness or religious persecution. He said, let's skip that now and enslave them based on skin color. That was a start. That's a trigger in 1488. So when Columbus discovered America in 1492, <clears throat> had all this land over here <clears throat> in that particular 
particular time. Yeah, water for you if you need. <coughs> Excuse me, thank you. Yes, sir. At that particular time, Europe was being decimated. Mm. Europe was under, under major problems. The entire European continent was being decimated with crime, crime, famine, diseases. They didn't know what to do in the late 14, 1400s and early 1500s. And all of a sudden they said, you know, since Pope Innocent says that uh, we got some people we can use as slaves, and we got a... <clears throat> Take your time, brother. We here. We got time. I know you all got to put me out of here in a few minutes. No, no, no you man, we got good. time. I've been waiting on you for years. You tell me a tale. No, I'm not. People been asking for you for years. We got time. Okay, I don't want to, put, I don't want to take up all your time. No, you good. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no white man coming in here with a sign saying, oh, get him up out of here. He talking all this shit. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, so when Columbus discovered America, they had all this land, and Pope Innocent said, use these people. This have a new form of slavery. No more longer, no longer based on religion, personal indebtedness, or prisoner of war. Let's use them skin color. And so by the 1500s, they we could say use that and save America. So a race started. A race is a contest. Mm-hmm. That contest started between nine European nations. Mm-hmm. Portugal. They all said, "Let's get in the contest so we can go to the Americas, to the Americas first, and capture all that land and build it and build wealth." That's what they came here for. Mm-hmm. Now you all get by that stuff about they believe in about the constitution, but they came here for religious persecution. Nobody came here for no damn religious persecution. They came here for happiness. Nobody can get on a damn boat to sail across the Atlantic coming to America for happiness. They ain't that stupid. They came here for enrichment. Every tourist and I mean uh, uh, immigrant came to America. They came here for personal enrichment. That's what they came here to get values, resources, and they start bringing people. So all the, all these countries were competing. To try to capture America, Americas, and build it up for enrichment, and, uh, and that's what happened when, so when they, with Americans. When they got to America, later on, let me jump up. Now they said, "Well, we got all this land now. We got these people. Let's draw the Constitution." That's what. The, so they, I told you a few minutes ago. They met in Philadelphia. Says, "Let's take all this land. We're going to create a document called the U.S. Constitution. That was in 1789. We're going to ratify this, and uh, and then we ratify it. <clears throat> it's going to be a social construct." That it brought here just mentioned to you. The construct is that how are we gonna do that? It's well at the top. Let's all the Europeans that got money want to invest in the United States, they got rich people, and that'll be the top scale. They can come here and get all the land. That's Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, all those guys, and um, and Jeff Thomas Jefferson. They were wealthy people. They said underneath that, that's the top level. Underneath that, we set up a management class to bring in poor whites. They'd be the management class. And at the bottom, we're gonna bring in these blacks. They had to be managed and classify them as property, as non-citizens. That way they'll never get anything. Hmm. We got them locked in box. <clears throat> that's in the Constitution. And that's how they got you. The first thing they did the next year in 1791, <laughs> they passed the first immigration law. says, let's bring in all these poor people. This is a nation, an immigrant nation. It's for basically for whites only. And black folk, you are not citizens. You have no entitlements, no rights, and no privileges, and nothing. Everything we put into the hands of the dumb white society. Why is it expected for, for black wealth to drop in the future? Oh, for a certain reason, because <clears throat> increasingly they know that you don't own anything. <laughs> wealth creates wealth. Mm-hmm. Wealth creates wealth. And when they talk about slavery, what blacks black blacks don't have any wealth was because they took whites captured your wealth. Labor is wealth. Labor you can't have wealth without labor. That's the point I'm bring to you. You send possible to have wealth without labor. And so, so, when they, so, when they, so in the 1500s, they said, well, what are we going to do? 
we're going to all be in this race now. We're going to compete between the, the French, the Germans, the, the British, the, the Spain, Spain. We're going to go to America. We're going to compete to get the resources. And so they, and they, and, uh, they said, let's take this. So what is, we're going to come up with a new thing called capitalism. Capitalism came out of the land and the Pope Innocent's thing about slavery. They said, when you go to America, so here's what you're going to do. Practice capitalism. That means owning the land, the tools, the resources, and using someone else's labor to enrich yourselves. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And since black folk, black folk couldn't enrich themselves, everybody else came to the country, enriched themselves off of black folk. They took your labor from you. And then everybody became rich for it. And that's why in the city, when slavery ended, as I said a few minutes ago, the average white person had 3,500 times more wealth than blacks. So how do we catch up now? How, how do we make sure that we can at least catch up on, on the financial freedom as, you, as much as you possible? Ask, you ask, bro, you ask yourself a good question. Uh, you should be running for office instead of Booker and <laughs> Harris. Are they all light-skinned? They can do it. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. <laughs> Funny, you're right on target. No, you do it. You start in the books, as I said in my books. First thing you get, you got to, you develop two things they took from you in slavery. Two, two things from you that are key to get to the points you are on how you're going to solve it. One, they stripped you of your wealth. Your labor was your wealth. You never gained anything from it. They got it captured and spread it around. And that's like in resources, this is land. Everybody coming to the country got land but you as a race. They said we, they said we can build, we're going to start building wealth based on land. And George Washington, when the first one said, "Well, if you're going to all the wealth going to be in the land, I want 100,000 acres of free land." And then Jeff, Thomas Jefferson said, "Well, you give, he's going to get 100,000 acres of free land. I want 100,000 acres of free land." Then Patrick Henry, you all read about it in your history book, it said, "Give me liberty, give me okay. death." He also said, "Hell, give me some land. I want 65,000 acres of free land." And so, what the white society did while blacks were being enslaved. <clears throat> they gave every per- every immigrant coming to the country. He, as soon as his f- foot hit the ground, he picked up over seven hundred and fifty acres of free land per per immigrant. Then, mm. then for every slave they only got another hundred and fifty acres of free land. And so, and so after, about a, so after about a hundred years, this country had given away over two billion. They gave away two billion acres of free land to immigrants. Now, that, and uh, why is that? Now, that's where your wealth is. Now, in that in that land, not only the value of the land, but in that land, what do they have? On? They got timber, gold, chrome, magnesium, gold, silver, oil. It's resources. Resources. Yeah. That, that's, that's, it's just a resource. There you go. That's how you build wealth. And we don't have wealth. Because we continue, even though we're not free, no, we're not uh, slaves anymore, there's still a a, a sense of slavery in a lot of mentalities, that's why you see so many people buying and showing their wealth on their person instead of actually buying and having their wealth to the point where you have real wealth. You see a bunch of people, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to end up, I'm going to close. Well, I'm closing now. But I'm going to say this because this is the problem. You see our young brothers and sisters out there flossing with diamonds and whatnot. A lot of those diamonds, they're not owned. A lot of those diamonds are rented. A lot of those diamonds are on loan. So when you see a lot of this with the fancy houses and fancy cars, don't get overwhelmed because a lot of them, the majority of them don't even own them. They don't own their properties. They're renting, leasing, or borrowing when you see them in the videos. 
If you looked at uh that what was it the land with the house the, the rich and famous a lot of those houses back in the day those houses were being basically they was being uh, a rented just for the shoot of that particular show. They wasn't that they didn't own those properties, but there's many that do, and there's a good majority that don't. When you see, they're fronting for you, my brothers and sisters. You have to be aware and not even care about that stuff. Why do you care about other people's stuff when you ought to be caring about yourself? You need to save yourself and stop trying to save the whole damn world because the whole damn world don't care nothing about you. Here's another little tidbit, and then I'm out. When you see the Jordan brand, you see the Jordan brand. A lot of people think, uh, because they don't know, they think Michael Jordan owns Nike. Not everybody, but uh, 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 there's people out there who think Michael Jordan owns Nike. No, he doesn't. Phil Knight owns Nike. Jordan has the Jumpman logo. But he has no decisions that are really made on Nike products. Jumpman, he has a little say. But here's the thing. Here's the kicker. Major corporations have a board. I don't believe... Michael sits on that board of Nike. Michael gets a nice profit from his Jordan man, thanks to the uh, the black brothers and sisters who go out there and promote and buy these shoes. But he doesn't sit on that board. If he does sit on the board, it's new. But he doesn't sit on the board of directors. When you look at all of this, my brothers and sisters, you need to decide on what you want to do. Do you want to stay in the race or are you ready to tap out? Are you done? Ask yourself that. When you go to bed tonight, ask yourself, are you ready to tap out? Okay, my brothers and my sisters, this is your brother. I wanted to come back. Uh, I, you know, I thank uh, Brother Claude Anderson for those video clips, actually audio clips. But I just wanted to play a little something for you. This is Powernomics again. You decide on how you want to live your life. And if you want to stay in the race, my brothers and my sisters, that's a little tidbit. I'll be bringing you more. This is your brother. Check out the, uh, when you look at the cover of this particular podcast, you'll see the back cover of Powernomics. You can read some of it. Uh, you can enlarge. You can read some of it yourself. Okay, my brothers and my sisters, this is your brother saying justifiable Powernomics, a people in need. We out. <laughs>